Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who stay out of talented women's business, even when they're flopping on an international scale. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about 2001's Glitter, starring Mariah Carey. In a world where proving yourself is everything. Hey, Billy, can you repeat that verse? Okay. Let's go. They don't matter. They're just back up. One woman is about to get the chance. When the microphone comes, do something special. To go from unknown. You have got a beautiful voice. I want to produce you. Yeah, right. To a world she's only dreamed of. Don't you be getting all freaky on the first day. It's not a date. Remember the name, Billy Frank. Guys, we are so excited because guess who's back for round three on the pod? None other than Yara. Hi. Are you thriving or surviving? I'm personally definitely surviving. Yeah, Hannah's definitely surviving. Three hours of sleep. Three hours of sleep. It's the insomnia. Sometimes she's like, I'll go away for two weeks. And then is like, never mind, I'm here. So, you know, though. I'll do anything for you, Yara, and Mariah Carey. So. Oh, same. <laughs> Especially Mariah. This movie is interesting, intriguing to me because I had never seen it. We'll talk about this later, but I had never seen it until yesterday. And actually, one of my old professors directed this movie. I did not know that. Yeah, Vondi Curtis Hall. He's is that like terribly awkward because they're teaching you and you're like, I know what you've done. Yeah, right? (laughs) Totally. I didn't know that he directed this movie until looking at the notes. Yeah. And until watching it. And I was like, oh. You know him. (laughs) Yeah. Before we get into our deep discussion of glitter today, it's time for Question for the Culture. The culture is super sick right now. It's actually really bad, period. So our Question for the Culture this week is... What is your favorite star vehicle? Like a film, like Glitter is an example of a star vehicle where like that was supposed to be her transition into film and oh, it was supposed to I like take her answer. to heights. Yeah, oh, amazing. It's really easy. Of, of course it's Crossroads. Oh, oh <laughs> duh. Oh my God. You're so right. Yeah. I didn't even think I of that. Unironically love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we haven't covered that one yet but we're definitely going to yeah we yes. need to hell yeah yes. yeah it's one of those things where we have so many listeners that are like big britney people that there's like extra pressure almost when it comes to that one it's almost like you want yeah. to avoid it because you yes. might not live up to the britney fans expectations your analysis yes yeah I get it. I never could. That's actually the main reason I never bothered to cover Crossroads or anything, Mm -hmm. you know, most things Britney related because I just, yeah, I don't trust myself. I'm going to mess something up. Well, also like if you take one small misstep, like the Britney girls will find you. (laughs) They will find you. They will leak your address. Tell everyone where you work. (laughs) (laughs) They will hold you to account to the furthest extent of the law. You gotta, you gotta make sure you're prepared. I completely understand. But yeah, Crossroads is my favorite. That's yes. Oh my god. Okay, I have a stupid answer. Okay, what? It's really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? Over the hedge as an Avril Lavigne star vehicle. (laughs) I think that's a really good answer. Actually, let's just say that that's it for me. Does Jennifer Hudson in Dreamgirls count? Yes. Okay. I would say so. Even though it's a musical movie. Yeah. It's not a star vehicle because she wasn't transferring, really. Yara wins the question <laughs> for the culture this week. Good job, Yara. Thank you. I'd like to thank the okay. Academy. Now it's time to get into the facts about 2001's Glitter. So first of all, we have to address the elephant in the room, which is that Glitter was released on September 11th, 2001. That's right. 
actual 9-11. So, Bad omen, for sure. It was rated PG-13, and it was directed by Vondi Curtis Hall. He also, okay, so he didn't have like a ton of directing credits from what I saw. He did a lot of like one-off episodes of ER, Firefly, The Shield. According to my research, he's best known as an actor in The Boz Lerman, Romeo and Juliet, Falling Down, Broken Arrow, an and actor. Chicago Hope. Yeah, he was in 104 episodes of um, Chicago Hope as Dr. Dennis Hancock. I did not know that. Yeah, apparently that's true. And then there are two writer's credits for this movie. The first one is Story, which is by Cheryl L. West. She has six credits, and I didn't know any of them, so I didn't write them down. And then the second person is the one who wrote the screenplay. Her name is Kate Lanier, and she is best known on IMDb for having written Glitter, The Mod Squad, and Set It Off. Kate, one of the writers for Glitter, um, wrote the screenplay for What's Love Got to Do With It? Which is like huge in uh, black households for some reason. Like every time it's on TV, everyone's like, oh, what's love got to do with it is on? I guess we better watch it. Literally every single time. I don't know why that is. But, okay, so synopsis. Let's go. Billy Frank is a shy, young, multiracial girl who is sent away by her alcoholic mother at a very early age. At an orphanage, she befriends Louise and Roxanne, who, by the way, we don't really get to know. Flash forward to 1983, Billy and her friends are spotted by a record producer, Timothy Walker, who wants them to sing backup for his latest pop music discovery. But when Super DJ... (laughs) (laughs) Super DJ... But when Super DJ Julian Dice hears Billy's incredible voice, he makes a shady deal with Timothy to get her out of that dead-end situation. Soon, Billy and Dice are making hits inside the studio and falling in love outside of it. Eventually, the pressure of her newfound celebrity puts too heavy a strain on Billy, forcing her to decide what it is she really wants from Dice and what she wants for herself. (laughs) Super DJ Julian Dice. Oh my God. Wow. It's priceless. I'll read the letterboxed one. A young woman is catapulted into pop stardom with her already famous DJ boyfriend calling the shots. You know, we're going to get into it, but I have something to say about that. Yeah. One and a big part of like why we do all three IMDb, Letterboxd and Rotten Tomatoes is because sometimes they're like Venn diagrams that only barely overlap. And it's just like. They can be so vastly different. It's actually hilarious. Yes. And, like, the efficiency of it makes a big difference, too. The Rotten Tomatoes one. Music legend Mariah Carey makes her feature film debut in this love story set against the backdrop of the New York club scene. Carey plays a young singer who overcomes a turbulent childhood and begins an exciting but often volatile and precarious journey to superstardom. <laughs> I think that's the best one. Yeah. Do I don't know. Think? I mean, that one's more of like a marketing pitch for Mariah. Yeah, that's true. Wait, Yara, do you want to read the taglines? In music, she found her dream, her love, herself. <laughs> <laughs> a strength to survive, a desire to dream. These are inaccurate taglines, I feel. Like, yes. Yeah. I know what glitter was meant to be. And then I'll, I yeah. also know what glitter is. So I feel like these taglines are for the movie that it wasn't. Yeah, you can feel the clash between the vision and the reality. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so going into this cast, there's two actors who don't have very big roles in Glitter who Mm -hmm. I recognize from other like childhood films I used to watch a lot. So there's this B-girl who starts rapping early on, like in the club Mm -hmm. at one point. Yeah. Yeah. And she played... Tia Maori's best friend in 17 Again. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Okay. The lady who gets young Billy and takes her to like the foster home played mm-hmm. Dorinda's mom, foster mom in <gasps> Cheetah Girls. And so I was oh. like, this is weird. But <laughs> that's so funny. I oddly was thinking about Cheetah Girls. Like I was thinking about Cheetah Girls while watching Glitter. So no, because that. Cheetah Girls is Glitter if Glitter was yeah. good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now we're going to get into this cast situation. So, of course, we have Mariah Carey as the star Billy Frank. As an actor, this is like her biggest role, but she did get a lot of clout for her role in Precious. She was nominated for a SAG award. She finally got like, well, she didn't really deserve flowers for this one, 
for glitter, no. but ultimately got her flowers for that one. <laughs> and then, of course, in addition to her relatively limited acting career, she's a five-time Grammy Award winner, cultural icon, meme, queen of Christmas, which is why we're doing this episode now, because it's yeah. our first episode post-Thanksgiving. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we're paying tribute to her in that sense. That timing is um, beautiful. <laughs> like at the beginning of the season, I was like, we got to do glitter right after Thanksgiving. And I promise I have a rationale. And that is why, because of Thanksgiving. And then I have a lot more about Mariah when we get to the cultural context. So we'll talk about her when we get there. Next, we have Max Beasley as super DJ Julian Dice. And he's best known for his roles in The Outsiders, Homeland, Suits, and Bodies. Terrence Howard plays Timothy Walker, the guy who's like $100,000 to, to develop Billy as a pop star or whatever. He's best known for his roles in Crash, Hustle and Flow, Iron Man, and Four Brothers. Okay, but I discovered something very interesting about him on his Wikipedia page. So he had this like not exactly like scandal, but like weird interview where he talked about the concept of teriology. Yara, do you know about this already? I know that Terrence Howard is a lot and always has been, but I would love to hear you talk about it. <laughs> okay. So this is what I'm just going to be honest. This is what I got from the Wikipedia page. In a 2015 interview with Rolling Stone, Howard explained that he had formulated his own language of logic, which he called teriology, and which he was keeping secret until he had patented it. The logic language, he claimed, would be used to prove the statement one times one equals two. How can it equal one, he said. If one times one equals one, that means that two is of no value because one times itself has no effect. One times one equals two because the square root of four is two. So what's the square root of two? should be one, but we're told it's two, and that cannot be. <laughs> Howard blames his leaving Pratt over disagreements with a professor regarding his hypothesis. He also stated that he spends many hours a day constructing models of plastic and wire that he patented and claims to confirm his belief. I think recently, I don't know if it was this year or last year since COVID, I don't really have a good sense of time, honestly. He said he invented a new hydrogen bond. <laughs> So I looked it up just so I could see if that's what he said. And he said that he was able to identify the grand unified field equation they've been looking for and put it into geometry. Oh, my and God. We're talking about unlimited bonding, unlimited predictable structure, supersymmetry. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh he wants to be serious so bad. Um, yeah. I don't wow. know. Terrence Howard is a very interesting character. So next we have DeBrat as Luis, which I didn't realize this. I like didn't put it all together until I was researching. But for those who don't know, she's like a very well-known rapper. She was first signed to a record label in 1992. So way before Glitter, which is very interesting to me. Her debut album, Funkified, sold 1 million copies, making her the first solo rap act to receive a platinum certification and the second overall female rap act after Salt and Peppa. Verly like a uh, trailblazer as a rapper, especially a woman rapper, which is really cool. I was just thinking like uh, when I was growing up, everyone wanted to have hair like DeBrat because she had the little uh -huh. micro braids and the beads and she used to wear the bandanas. Aww. And like my sister, yeah. her whole style was just DeBrat. And so nice. <laughs> that's who I related to. Every time I see her, I'm like, ah, my sister. And then one other interesting thing about her is that she had a lot of success on remixes of Mariah Carey songs. So there was some connection there as well. And she has been nominated for two Grammys, which is really cool. Then we have Tia Texada as Roxanne. She didn't have that much going on. Maybe I'm being disrespectful once again. However... Third Watch, The Unit, that's it. And then last but not least, we have Eric Benet as Raphael. I was like, this guy has a really specific energy. This is the guy who is the, like the collaborator, singer, yeah. piano guy. He's an American R&B neo-soul singer and songwriter and actor. He's been nominated for a Grammy four times. Um, and this was his film debut. So actually it's a star vehicle for, for Eric, Eric Benet, Benet. it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Audrey, what about this budget? Okay, budget was $22 million approximately. Opening weekend made $2,414,596 in roughly 1,200 theaters. That's not great. I did the math <laughs> and it would be like $2,000 per theater. 
Yeah. 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 That's, that's really poor. Yeah. Um, and then the worldwide gross is 5,271,666. Flop central. <laughs> Huge flop. Okay. Now going into these critic and audience opinions, Yara, will you take us into this journey? Hell yeah. So the critic score for glitter is 6%. And the consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is glitter is a hodgepodge of movie cliches and bad acting that's sure to generate unintentional laughs. Unfortunately, the movie is not bad enough to be good. That's exactly what I was thinking. A vehicle that tarnishes as you watch it, leaving this troubled chart topper lost in a sea of drunken maudlin cliches. (laughs) The sheer amateur writing, acting, and directing make glitter yet another disastrous vanity vehicle that brings down Carrie and everyone starring. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) glitter could have set its sights higher or at least could have been more even in tone but there's no denying that the material fits mariah carey like one of her skin tight gowns oh my yep the audience score was 48 percent and the letterboxd average star rating is 1.8 stars Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's the lowest we've ever had yeah yeah that is actually the lowest and it all it kind of makes you wonder like people are just hating to hate at some point because there's so many shitty movies that have like pretty good scores on letterboxd because people will give it a high like i've done that before i've given like a bad movie a high rating because i like it like Mm -hmm. sorry it brings you joy yeah Yeah. and i'm like that's all i'm really rating for at the end of the day And then, okay, a few audience opinions. Someone who rated it four stars said, bruh, I low-key love this. Its soundtrack is amazing. The only reason it flopped was the sabotage Matola. Matola and J-Lo put upon it. Yeah. Do you know what that's Yeah. About? So we'll definitely talk about Tommy Matola uh-huh. like soon, but um, there's a very clear like parallel between IRL Mariah and Tommy Matola and Billy and super DJ yep. Dice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and basically the, the week that the Glitter soundtrack came out, this was after Tommy Matola and Mariah, they broke up. And basically Tommy Matola did this collaboration with J-Lo and dropped it like intentionally at the exact same time. And then, so like J-Lo got like the glory in that moment. Oh. Yeah. It's pretty evil. Yeah. yeah. I don't know her. <laughs> exactly. I don't know her either. <laughs> Three stars. Someone said they spent $5 on the editing, I fear. <laughs> well, what's funny about that is they actually spent a lot on the editing there. It's making me think of the shot where the blur. No, it looks like glitter is exploding out of her head. Yeah. Every time that happened, like it would, it would cut and like a super imposed sort of thing. I was like, oh, we're doing like, this is actually glitter. I thought it was just a metaphor. There's so much (laughs) glitter scenes, confetti scenes. The symbolism, Um, man. The poem is so deep. Heavy hitting. Someone rated it one stars and said, happy 9-11 to all who celebrate. Okay, nice. (laughs) Nice. Five stars. Mariah Carey is in it. Shut up. The silver lining of (laughs) 9-11. That one made me actually like cackle aloud. So I had to put it in there. Cultural context. I have some Mariah Carey history that I felt is relevant to this movie. So, and there's a lot of this is about what was going on when the movie came out. One important thing to know about Mariah is that she was discovered when she like went to this industry party and gave her tape to Tommy Matola, who was the head of Columbia Records. And eventually they got married and then got divorced. It was a very like complicated relationship. As an aside, All I Want for Christmas is You came out in 1994, just so you know in the timeline here. And then in mid-1996, she and Tommy split. So Carrie describes Tommy as becoming increasingly controlling and viewed her newfound independence as a new lease on life. So basically, like, once they split up, she was like, I'm me. I'm independent now. Like, this is my new era. They split up in 1997. And then in 1998, she began conceptualizing a film project called All That Glitters, later retitled to simply Glitter, came up with the idea, and then it basically fell into like development hell for a long time. Carrie was allegedly given full conceptual and creative control over the project, which is another interesting thing to keep in mind. And then in July 2001, so 
three months, two months before Glitter came out, she started to have like a very public breakdown, like physical and emotional. It was when she started posting these disturbing messages on her website and did the really weird TRL appearance with Carson Daly where she pushed in the ice cream cart and was like in men's clothing. Have you guys seen this? We'll have to like put in a clip from the from the video because it was like really bizarre. Like she showed up to TRL like unannounced and was like, I'm making an appearance. I'm real come on and love me. How's that? Give me more. Um, <laughs> It's really, really interesting. And then, so a few days after that, she's posting all these like really concerning notes on her website. One really like interesting and also concerning one. She said, I'm trying to understand things in life right now. And so I really don't feel that I should be doing music right now. What I'd like to do is just take a break at least get one night of sleep without someone popping up about a video. All I really want to do is just be me. And that's what I should have done in the first place. I don't say this much, but guess what? I don't take care of myself. July 26th, she gets put in the hospital for the classic celebrity thing of exhaustion, physical, emotional breakdown. The release of Glitter gets delayed a few weeks because of her breakdown, which then leads to it ultimately being released on 9-11. Best possible outcome. And she ultimately attributes the poor performance of the movie to her state of mind at the time, its postponement, and the soundtrack having been released on 9-11, as well as the movie. So it was not a good time. (laughs) And it was before like the 2005, 2006 comeback with Emancipation of Mimi. So like she, she got back on, on the rails, but it was a dark moment for her when this came out. When did we first watch this movie? What do we remember about it? Yara, I feel like you're going to have the best insights about this because we both just saw it. I I can't say exactly when I first saw it because I was so young. I have to assume I was like six or seven and it must have been on TV because my sister loved Mariah Carey. And so Mm -hmm. we would always listen to Mariah Carey. We would watch anything Mariah Carey was in. And so my relationship with with Glitter was just this weird little movie that my my (laughs) big sister loved. But that, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just vibing out here. I guess this is a plot. (laughs) So that was my first relationship with the movie. It's just like not understanding, but just going with the flow. And... Watching it for this episode again was my first time watching it in a long time. And I was just completely flabbergasted because that feeling (laughs) that you get as a kid of like, what's going on? I don't really know. Is the same feeling I had now. (laughs) Uh Just coasting. Okay, I guess we're here now. Sure. Who's that? I don't know. We're never going to see him again. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Glitter is a very special movie. I will say that my most like prominent Mariah Carey memory in my mind is that, okay, I think that the listeners know this, Yara, there's no way you would know this, but I was in an all-female acapella group for all four years of college and we did always be my baby. And so I always think of my time in acapella when I hear that song. Is it a good time to look back on? It actually is. We were like pretty bad, (laughs) Um, but NYU was like a pretty bad place for me. Like I had a pretty rough time, but all of the girls from that group, I like still talk to all the time and there's like no issues. So it's beautiful. I know. So it's kind of like a a bittersweet song. You hear it and like some good feelings come up and it's also like, man, that was a dark period. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, totally. Like windowless rooms rehearsing fluorescent lights, like that vibe. (sighs) But also, uh, oh yeah, like unrelenting. All the practice rooms are windowless in basements with fluorescent lights. Yeah. Did you ever come to a Clefto's rehearsal? I feel like you did. Probably. Yeah. That sounds like a mission by whoever designed like the building to just like crush your spirit. Like, you know, artistic dreams. I don't think so. We're going to. Not for you. Real quick. (laughs) This movie was shockingly inaccessible, except 
then it was ultimately on YouTube in full for free. So it's actually more accessible than uh, yeah. most things. Yeah. Where did you, where were you watching? You were just watching like scenes on YouTube or what? Oh, I watched the whole thing on YouTube. The whole oh. movie's uploaded. Um, It's called, yeah. it's under Mariah Carey, Glitter, with a glitter emoji. Full movie. Yes. That's what I watched. <laughs> yes, me too. Yeah, because you go, to, you know, like we're always looking up every movie we cover to see where where it's streaming or whatever glitter is nowhere which nope. i understand from her perspective yeah almost definitely yeah. yeah i would be like i would be don's plumbing that you know like no yeah. one's gonna see this sure. movie everyone's gonna write articles about how this movie was never released and what are you talking yeah. about i wasn't in that you actually dreamt that i yeah. do, i don't know what that is <laughs> right exactly like, you have to have a physical copy of this movie yes. or know I'm, I'm how to find sure it why you're just making things up but <laughs> fire up the old youtube um hopefully you can get through this movie and we will be right back to talk about all of the special moments and elements of this one. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. everybody we are back and it is time to just get into glitter get deep deep into glitter so roll around in it yeah roll roll around in the glitter glitter. get your glitter glue um (laughs) so i think that it may be a good idea to return to form and talk about let's just start with the things we appreciated about this movie wait also though side note like so do we think that just because Mariah had creative control and she had this idea for a movie called All That Glitters, that that is the only reason that it was then ultimately named Glitter? Because I don't really see why it should be called Glitter. I feel like All Star by Smash Mouth has me fucked up because the phrase is actually All That Glitters is not gold, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, yeah. but in, the, in All Star, they say All That Glitters is gold. And they're like doing a play on the term. Yes, So I guess maybe her original intent was like, just because it looks glamorous doesn't mean that it is. But yeah, no, that is depends. No, like that is, I feel like that was the idea. Yeah. But it getting minimized to glitter, you lose that. 100%. 100%. Because then it's just about glitter during, like, in photo shoots or, like, yes. just coming out of your head when the shots <laughs> yeah. are superimposed. Yes, exactly. And you're kind of like, okay, glitter's a big motif in this. What does it all mean? Yeah. I've never seen such literal translation of a nonsensical <laughs> title in my life. Yes, definitely. Like, Von- it definitely should have remained all that glitter. Yeah. Yep. Kind of reminding me of Cheetah Girls, which I do like um, because we've got this girl group with a little bit of dis they're not even a girl group technically it's three backup singers and then the woman playing yeah which also doesn't face. make sense when you first see mariah adult mariah like dancing in the club aren't they just dancing like she's not singing right right yeah she's just dancing so my question is how did uh terrence ask them to be backup singers if they weren't singing like how would he have known well honestly i wouldn't go by trying to understand 
anything logical from Terrence Howard's perspective. I mean, one times one is two after all. So right. who knows? You're Maybe right. he saw them and he was like, they can sing. I just know it. So let me just go ahead and hire He used his terriology. His terriology <laughs> kicked in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that scene was really funny to me because it's like, you're not going to hold an open audition or anything like that. And you're just like going to go to a club, look for people who are dancing and be like, hey, you want to be a backup singer? <laughs> That's it. Yep. And there was no try. There was nothing. They just suddenly they're in the recording booth. The movie is it's so weird with like time and pacing. Mm -hmm. Some of the weirdest pacing I've ever seen to a point where I was like, wait, maybe they're actually really smart. I was like, yeah, it's like maybe this is so off that. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of cool. Maybe I just can't understand this. Yeah. It's beyond my, yeah. my comprehension. Because like their VFX shots, some of the things that they were doing, I thought were so odd, but kind of cool at the same time. Like visually, I don't know. It has a retro quality to it now, like an early 2000s VFX mm -hmm. quality. Mm -hmm. Like when, when the DJ first sees... Or when he's like walking towards Mariah and they do this like slow motion blur thing. It's funny that you say, you know, it has that retro feel and it has that now. It has it now. Like a relic of the early 2000s. Yeah. What I found mm -hmm. interesting watching it is that it feels like a relic of the early 2000s. There's no hint of the 80s nope. in that movie. And it nope. takes place in the 80s. Yep. Oh, that was throwing me. Yeah. That was throwing <laughs> me so <laughs> much. There was no reason to do that. The timing for Mariah... I guess, like for her real career and everything to place it in the 80s that I get the intent behind the writing. But yeah, execution wise, I kept forgetting. I was like, oh, right, we are in like 1983. Yeah. No, but like the marketing, <laughs> like the film poster, that's 2001. Like nothing has ever looked exactly. more 2001. Yeah. I also um, actually had a thought about this, which was I think that it was set in the 80s because of like again, like her coming to prominence in the 80s. But also in 2001, like there was so much shifting going on with how people got their music and how people became famous as musicians with like Napster and stuff that I was like, maybe this was just a way for them to avoid that. No, I 100% get that too. Yeah. Like I have a script that I was working on about the music industry and just to avoid the tough conversations regarding like the streaming era yeah. and SoundCloud and stuff. I was like, I'm just going to set this in a different time period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, it's so complicated. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many, like, movies about, um, you know, like, Motown days or, like, yeah. just, like, um, pre-technology music industry movies, and they do get to, like, avoid so much yeah. in, in their plots because no one has a phone. <laughs> like No one has yeah. any of these things. Yeah. I wrote a play and it got put up this past April and it's like set, it's like teenagers and it, I'd written it set in the present day. And then I was like, wait, I don't want to hear about social media though. So let me set this 10 years ago <laughs> instead. And like Facebook still would have existed and stuff, but I was just like, no, I don't want to hear them talk about Instagram. I so. think that's like, especially for us, you know, we're, older writers who still have a penchant for like our adolescent years that we like to write about them. Yeah. And it's easier to connect with the material if we avoid modern social media because that wasn't a part of what we were doing. And then you yeah. don't want to like get it wrong. Yeah. It's much easier to place it somewhere where you would understand the lingo and the teenagers and the culture. Yeah. Yes. Uh, better. Yeah. I get that. But still like that movie did not look anything like the 80s. The costumes nope. were weird. Yep. <laughs> no. Everything never would have known yeah. if they didn't say it. So when when Mariah is first performing didn't mean to turn you on like in the <laughs> club or whatever, her hair looks beautiful, but it's not 80s. But do you know what I'm talking about? Right. It was like feathered, but not like in the way that it would have been feathered. I know exactly what you mean. And yeah. I was also looking at like the earrings. Mm -hmm. I didn't see any door knockers or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. And that's or like the certain 80s b-boy b-girl style mm -hmm. especially in the club scenes it was like where is any of that also a mariah's appearance thing and this is not shady do we understand why she has the silver streak on her arm the whole time so i saw that yeah but i thought i was just tripping oh, no 
No, me too. I, I just kind Maybe of there's something wrong. Yeah, I was like, I'm just going to ignore that. Well, the, the weird thing is like I wrote it down as something I liked at first because I thought it was just like a gratuitous shoulder highlight, basically. But then I kept seeing it and it was like actually like a stripe, like a silver stripe on her arm. Am I, looking I think at? that's part of the glitter motif. You think so? Audrey, are the, you looking it up? Yeah. They're just so like they're just working on a plane so far above us. It's insane. Is it a tattoo? <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at that. Oh, wait. OK, there's an article that says will Mariah Carey's glitter trend catch on? So maybe she was trying to make it a thing. Well, you know what? She made it a thing. I'm, I'm about to go to work later. I'm going to I'm going to put yeah. something on my arm. Just like a little streak. Someone's going to ask me what's up and be like, you wouldn't get it. This article is from July 27th, 2001. OK, what does it say? OK, it's a familiar dilemma. You've been painting your apartment all day and are covered with paint. Then suddenly remember that you have to be at Madison Square Garden that night to entertain thousands thousands of adoring fans because you're a famous pop star. Once an embarrassment, this just painted look may indeed become the hottest new makeup trend when glitter Mariah Carey's upcoming film reworking of A Star is Born hits theaters next month. Throughout the film, the multi-platinum pop diva will be sporting a paint swatch, essentially a streak of silver paint brandished most often on her shoulder. It's a look that's very gang meets glam, HBO's Oz meets Flashdance, and the innovator is Christopher Buckle, the makeup artist for glitter. <laughs> okay. It's her war paint. It's what she wears when she has to be a star. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, I'm glad we checked. Yeah. I don't think it caught on. Yara, was your sister? I don't know if it worked. This movie is just too advanced for me. <laughs> That's it. The culture of this movie. Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. That is really interesting. You get to mark yourself and make a statement, but the mark isn't permanent. <laughs> the same could be said of the 80s when glitter is set. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Yara, were there any things in this movie that like specifically were irritating you beyond what we've talked about? You know, it really gets my goat. <laughs> and I never say that. So my goat is gone. Okay. Uh, I was watching it and I was getting so frustrated because this is a story about Billy trying to follow her dreams and, you know, achieve her wildest aspirations. But she is so passive yes. for the whole movie. Yes. Like she doesn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. Like Super DJ comes in and he's doing everything. And yeah, I mean, we do see her write songs and she has a beautiful voice played by Mariah Carey, obviously. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you never really see her take action to do anything on her own. And it was the, it was the most frustrating thing. How do you make Mariah Carey seem like a passive person? Right. <laughs> it's just like, honestly, la, 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 la. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was one, that was my main note, too. I put she's so passive as the protagonist and like things are happening to her. I also don't give a single shit about this romance. I actually hate it. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, this guy is abusive. <laughs> like, That's why, you know, Cheetah Girls is the better version of Glitter because the super DJ in that and, like, Raven Simone's character, yeah. and you actually buy it. And also, Raven Simone's character is not passive. Yeah. No. And she's incredibly flawed. Yes. Yes. Which... Decom was really... It was checking the boxes. Yeah. yeah. Jackal Johnson versus <laughs> Super DJ. Yes. <laughs> I did write that like this movie is kind of just a star is born, but it's also not a star. Well, I guess, no, it does it really follow the is. beats. It does. It does follow the beats of it. Also, just going back to the the romance thing for a second, there was this moment that lacked chemistry so hard that I like couldn't even believe that I saw it. It was when, um, and I, I peeked at your notes. The marimbas? It, it, okay, so it was right before <laughs> the marimbas, which was when she was like walking around his apartment and she saw the baby picture of him and she was like, you were so cute. What happened? <laughs> like, yeah. it was not nice. And like, that she, was like, that was so like from her heart, you know? Like yeah. she definitely like does not like yeah, this speaking guy. Speaking of that scene in the apartment though, I love, um, they have a love scene shortly after that. And the look on Raya's face when they're just laying there, she looks so unimpressed. And I'm like, is this supposed to be romantic? Because she looks like she's just like, it wouldn't be anywhere yeah. but here. Right and then now. she's like, I have problems trusting people. 
Yeah. No. That confused me a lot too because we we never saw that and it doesn't that is not evident through her actions. So like exactly. why are you saying right, that? Because she just goes with everything. Yeah. Sort of like if you didn't trust people, you'd be like a a whole like way more resistant to anything and anyone. Yeah. Very suspicious. We never get any of that. She's just like a complete blank slate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just blowing with the wind. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe that's a side effect of her being, like, too afraid to be flawed in the public eye. I mean, the way that Mariah would get so vilified, I would be really scared of playing any character who was a little bit complex, too, because Mm -hmm. people don't know how to react to that most of the time. And their perception is usually really negative. Yeah. Also... People can't separate actors and characters that much. That's what I was about to say, especially with female pop singers. It's like anything that they do is now a reflection, I think, of who they are. And I think maybe one of the only pop stars who's really evaded that is Gaga. That's what I thought you were going to say. Because now she's done enough that is different. Uh, from each other to yeah. where people and also her starting as an enigma like people didn't understand they yeah. didn't get who she was anyway yeah. so now now I feel like now people just give her a lot of grace in terms of like who she is yeah I think all yeah like she always was kind of a performance artist from yeah. the beginning whereas Mariah was like such a product of like men molding her and like a really specific moment in the industry and everything. Maybe that is why Billy is so passive. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what she was trying to get across. It just wasn't like the execution was questionable yeah. more so than. Yeah. Because I can see her writing that and being like, yeah, I want this character to just sort of go with what anyone says. Because for a long time, I got duped into doing that too. But it's just you need the a nuance. the foundation in order for that to work yeah. properly. Yeah, because you can be passive. Like, I'm sure there's no possible way she was that passive in her actual life, even if she was following what men in her life were saying. She still has opinions. Yes. It's still, like, natural, you know? It's, it's not so, like, stilted. Yeah. Right. I did enjoy that by the end she basically was just being exactly herself. Like once, once Super DJ was out of the picture, she was just being herself. What do we think about the music? Because something that I thought was strange is that they're using a lot of Mariah as score. Like they're using her singing as score for the movie and it's not even connected to a scene like diegetically. Mm -hmm. So like she sometimes like with the, the, that scene where they like, have sex or whatever yeah they're using her voice yeah as score yeah and i was like that's not how i like i wouldn't do that yeah it has to be if she if it's her voice it has to be connected to a diegetic scene yeah or in a sequence where it just makes sense but that did not happen yeah the music it was kind of messy yeah and they also did not shoot the shopping montage Right after um, she, like, makes up with her friends after, like, two seconds of trying, she just basically goes up to them and is like, we've always been friends. Like, we can't let this get between us or whatever. And then she goes, let's go shopping. And they're like, okay. And then from that shot to the next shot, it's them post-shopping. I'm like, if you're going to introduce a shopping montage, you have to do it. And that's the thing. This is a big part of why I think this movie doesn't work. It just lacks fun yes in the way that like you need a shopping montage you need you know like makeover scenes something that makes it memorable but it's just so dry and bland and like that earlier review said it's not bad enough to be good so you can't even enjoy it like oh this is so crap I love it yeah it's more just like why are we watching this we could be watching something way worse yeah (laughs) it was like the longest hour and 44 minutes of my life (laughs) Because there's movies that are really, really long, like two hours, three hours, and I can watch them and again and again and have a good time. But this one, I hit like the 30 minute mark. I was like, whew, how much time do we have? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Even in the opening scene where they open on her mom singing in the, in the club or whatever, and she's there as a child also singing, I was like, something feels off about this. Yeah. To- tonally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was creepy. Also, I wrote this down. Is that whole opening like in sepia tones? Kind of. Yeah. 
Yeah. I thought that was really weird. Yeah. The color of the film is weird. It, it's like the laziest way to show old and a, a shift in time. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And I was when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this must not be glitter. Uh-huh. And so I fast forwarded a little bit and then I saw Mariah. I was like, oh, shit, why does it start like that? <laughs> It's really, really weird. And they are framing this story as Mariah's character wanting to return to her mom. That is the entire frame, the beginning and the end of the movie. But that is not at all relevant to the middle of the movie. No. (laughs) Right. She doesn't really talk about or seem to care much about finding her mom. Yeah, except at the very beginning when it's like her and her friends walking down the street, which, by the way, I think that that's a big part of why it reminds us of Cheetah Cheetah Girls, Girls. too, which is them being like fun friends walking down the street. But when the the friend like super out of nowhere is like, well, your mom gave you your voice. And she's like, why would you bring up my mom? (laughs) Why would you mention her? Never never say that name. I was like, damn. And then it like doesn't come up again. No. The next time it comes up is after Super DJ is dead and he's left a note for her. And the yeah. note is like, by the way, I know where your mom lives. Yeah. Wait, you know Why what? Why didn't though? you tell her? I that? think she comes up one other time, the ring. And it's so random yeah. because at that point we haven't heard from her heard her talk about her mom in so yeah. long. She's like, I found a box of my mom's Oh, stuff. right. Yeah. She used to wear this ring all the time. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Also, <laughs> are you telling me now? Also, I thought it was really interesting that they never talked about her dad. Also, I thought it was interesting that they like barely touch on race the whole time because it's like white dad, black mom, and then like white boyfriend and race comes up a tiny bit. But, Mm -hmm. and then I was like, is Tommy Mottola white? And I checked and he is. Um, And I was just like, I feel like they could have done more there. I feel like there has to be more of a dynamic there, but they just didn't. Well, you know, they were Scared. Yeah. They were shaking in their boots. Yeah. yeah. They were like, let's just not mention it. Maybe no one will notice. Yeah, that. right. I think like ultimately they felt that they could have a Mariah Carey soundtrack alone and that would bring enough numbers mm-hmm. to make this movie profitable. Like it didn't actually matter that much yeah. what the content of the film was. They should have rethought that, obviously. I mean, no matter what, if the film was released the day it was, it was going to suffer no matter what. In that review that I sent you, um, he mentioned the bodyguard. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so... It's so important to keep in mind, like, the legacy of the bodyguard. And I'm sure she saw that and was like, that's going to be me next. Because even, like, musical lineage-wise, there's such a a tie between them. Yeah. I feel like the Whitney to Mariah to Ariana Grande pipeline is so <laughs> visible, at least to me. Like, I think it's I mean, all vocally. like- Vocally. Vocally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like occupying the same space in popular culture a bit. That's why Ariana Grande is going to be in Wicked. That's going to be hers. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so nervous for that. Yeah. Obviously she'll sound good, but like, it's not right. I don't think that makes it right. Sorry, that is so funny. I don't. <laughs> it's not right. <laughs> I don't. Like, I'm nervous. I've seen her act. Like, it's not good. I don't I don't know anything about Wicked. It's just the way. <laughs> you don't know anything about Wicked? I'm really ignorant about a lot of things. Oh, my God. That's not true. No, being Wicked. ignorant about Wicked is like. It's kind of a green flag about you, honestly. <laughs> That happened to me the other day. We were talking uh, with our friend and he didn't know who Phoebe Bridgers is. And I was like, that's a green flag. (laughs) I was like, whoa. Also, okay, wait, this is this going back. But who would think that playing the marimba would get you pussy immediately? I saw him play that and I saw the way she looked at him and I was like, how? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sorry. The level of charisma that you would have to have to pull that off, he does not have. Yeah. And it's all... I was like, that's it? That's all he has to do? Yeah. Not even a forehead (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like that's not an attractive instrument. Yeah. Well, there's definitely less attractive instruments. Yeah. But like I the wouldn't. The is cool. Yeah, it's. I like the. I don't know. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Would I want to sleep with someone after? <laughs> after they're like, I don't know, babe. I actually play the marimba, and I have one at the ready next to my bed in my house. Maybe if they play like a tuba, <laughs> I would be like. Oof. <laughs> All right, <laughs> coming on <laughs> tuba. 
I, I felt like the intense threat of sexual assault. Yeah, that was was kind of too much because you don't they didn't actually have to take it there. You could have just put like they could have he could have just threatened his life, DJ whatever's life yeah. without threatening sexual assault in I, that way. I didn't really think it was sexual assault necessarily. Was what was it? It was the only thing that made me think it was sexual assault. He was like he the her. look that he gave her. It was like the up and down before he was like, I don't want to hurt you, but I will. Yeah. I thought it was more like he was going to like stab her face or something. Because <laughs> the way he touches her face, I thought he was like, look at this beautiful face. Like I'm going to stab it. Oh, or something. I did not think of that. Oh, there's a shortage of perfect faces in the world. Be pity. Very that. Like very, very that. I fully, so I watched the movie the night of Thanksgiving. So like deep in, in, I just ate a ton of food mode and I fell asleep for the last like 15 minutes and the gunshot woke me up (laughs) and I was watching the movie and my boyfriend was sitting on like the couch perpendicular and he was like gaming, but like watching it with me and I kept falling asleep and waking up and I was like, do you know what happened? (laughs) And he was like, yeah, the guy just shot the DJ in the head. And I was like, very surprised. But that's the Star is Born parallel is the death thing, you know? Yeah, but like what a Star is Born should do is make you love them so much as a couple, like regardless of their flaws, that when he dies, it's actually very sad. Like you you actually are, and you feel bad for her. Um, That actually kind of reminds me of Funny Girl a little bit. I was sitting here thinking the same thing. Yeah, except he doesn't die. Are you a musical theater person at all? No, I'm not really big on musical theater, but it's funny because I have a lot of friends who are. So there's things that I know here and there, but I'm also so out of the loop. Mm -hmm. And they'll try to educate me. I'll be like, oh, interesting. (laughs) And then I'll forget. But I do know, is it Hades Town? Yeah. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, it's an actor from Town who's going to be playing Jeff Buckley in a Jeff Buckley biopic that's coming out. Ooh. Oh, interesting. I know that just because he's playing Jeff Buckley, but I cannot remember his name. Reeve Carney. Is that the guy? Oh. I would have to see his face. That's him. That's him? He's doing it. He's supposed to be, yeah, that, okay. that fucking guy. We got him. We got him. You were right. It is Hades Town. He played Orpheus. Look at me knowing a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. I, I know a little bit about musical theater. Yeah. Really. This is just a side note. Um, I teach at a music school and in the bathroom, they all, there's only one bathroom. It's like a, just like the toilet in the room or whatever. And across <laughs> from the toilet, there's this poster of Jeff Buckley, like <laughs> sitting there. And there's all of these like really like male manipulator lyrics, like written on the poster. And I'm like, why am I getting like harassed by Jeff Buckley? Like every time I'm on this. <laughs> it's like. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the lines is like, kiss me not out of pity, but out of like love or something like that. And I'm like, oh I am God. pooping right now. So and every you time are you go, uh, you're like, oh, yeah. Just like, starting again is. already. I can't do this <laughs> there again. There he is. Yeah, Please. exactly. It's so wrong. It's not a good place for the poster to be. File a complaint. I'm definitely yeah. going to file a complaint. I'm just going to take it down one day. <laughs> no one will do anything. Literally put take it in the it dumpster. And like put it somewhere <laughs> where no one will ever find it. Be like, what happened to the poster? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I did want to say one thing. Okay. Okay. Um, and I don't know how accurate this is because I didn't have time to watch this movie to like really, mm-hmm. or to rewatch this other movie that I'm thinking. But as I was watching Glitter, I was like, this might be the only reason Honey exists. The one with Jessica Alba. Because yes. yeah. there's so many parallels to that story and this one. And it's also weirdly specific of having an actress who, first of all, Jessica Alba's not Black, but she's playing a Black character in Honey, which is so weird. Um, oh. Like the character's supposed to be a light-skinned Black girl and she's played by Jessica Alba. Oh. <laughs> and that feels like... It's almost intentionally, like, maybe inspired by Glitter in such a way. Even just, like, the club scenes in both movies. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I'm just imagining it, but as I was watching, I was like, yeah, I think the reason Honey was successful was because Glitter wasn't. Like, Glitter was kind of a mess. And Honey tried to fix things up. 
And it's such a similar plot with the dancing and everything. Um, also, just having a lead who's supposed to be a light-skinned black girl, but mm-hmm. Honey is obviously not. What a weird yeah. situation. I don't understand that. Every time I watch Honey, I'm like, why? Who was like, yeah, let's give this, <laughs> let's give this white girl a little perm, curl her hair a little bit, and she, yeah. can, be, she can be binational or light-skinned black girl. Mm. Really weird. But this was the era, the early 2000s, where people weren't sure what she was. And mm-hmm. so they were just like, yeah, no, you could totally pass for black. Kind of like, um, well, actually, it's kind of different. But like Channing Tatum, everyone knew he was white, obviously. He was like the, the okay, like the, he has a do-rag on. I don't know how to explain it. It was just the culture. So true. So true. Yeah. It would be so interesting to talk to them about that. Like, how, do, how does Channing Tatum feel about that now? Yeah. Like, did he understand? Like, how cognizant was he of like... Yeah. The way he was being portrayed in certain mm-hmm. things and Jessica Alba. I would Alba. love to know that. That's like, that's actually yeah. a really fascinating topic to me. If someone, if anyone listening wants to dissect that, make an essay, just let me know. Yeah. I want to yeah. read everything you have to say about it. I just want to know how involved or not involved they were in their own portrayals. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, did they play into racial ambiguity? Yeah. For, for like capital gain stuff. Yeah. Probably. I think in Jessica Alba's case, definitely, just because there was this time she was on, like, George Lopez had that talk show and they did the DNA test. And she was so disappointed that she was mostly white. So I think oh she really wanted that ambiguity in that she was convinced she was something else. And maybe that's why she was like, yeah, I could. I could play honey. She was like, there's no, there's no Latin in there. I'm just like, I'm just a white girl. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So I guess to wrap this up, my question is if you could change one major element of glitter for the better, (laughs) what would you pick? If you had to pick one, what Um, would it be? Okay. So the thing that I would definitely take out or improve It's just the romance because I feel like Mm -hmm. the story is so uneventful and effective and everything like that. But if there's a good love story at the center of it with, you know, interesting chemistry, there could be something redeeming there. So either take that out and just focus on Billy's journey or just make a better love story with people who actually seem like they like each other. Yes. (laughs) Not maybe what happened. Right. If you have a passable love story, you can get through any movie. You know? Yeah. You really can't because you're rooting for them. Like, no matter, like, the stupid things that happen, it's just, like, I like these people together. I'm happy to just see them be together. Make Mariah's character less perfect, for sure. Or just less, like, bland. I think that maybe at the time it was the easiest choice for her to just go with something super, like, passive and passable overall. Um, But I think the movie would have, like, a lot more sticking power if she got to do more instead of just like looking hot and singing kind of. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes it would cut to a scene of her just like a reaction shot or she'll say something and it's like a mid shot. And I'm looking at her I'm like, that is Mariah Carey though. And I keep forgetting that <laughs> yeah. because this character is so boring. <laughs> I agree about the romance. I agree with both of your points. So I'll just come up with something else just because. I think that the mother aspect needed to be adjusted. It should either not be there and expand on the romance more or have the mom <laughs> actually matter to yeah. the plot of the movie in the yeah. middle. Like, what if she's like, she is on a journey to find her mom in the whole movie. Yeah. But she, yes. yeah, but she um, becomes entangled in this other situation. Or like, this was hilarious to me, like her rolling up to her mom's home in the gown and yeah. like weirdly like yeah. walking towards her. Her mom, this woman has some claim to fame at this point, Mariah's character. Her mom would see her, yeah. don't you think? That's her mom would thinking. be aware. Like, it would be really kind of cool. Maybe, maybe a bit Disney Channel of us. But yeah. it would work if she was looking for her mom in the beginning and like coming up short. She's like, you know what? Maybe my mom could see me on TV. I wonder if she's watching yeah. and we could just have, you know, a little bit more of a thread there as opposed to 
Like bookends. Yeah. yeah. And it could even be like, it could be the B plot, but it needed to be in the middle. Yeah. It needed to have its moments throughout. Otherwise, it's it at the end, I'm like, why the B fuck? Plot, it? But it had to be part of the plot. And what you're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it had to be in the movie. <laughs> to work. Yeah. There's that moment where you think she's about to run into her mom on the street. Like there's the, the lady, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? I was like, I was ready for that to be the situation, even though I was like, this is about to be like a really painful and potentially problematic like presentation of the mom. Um, but then it just wasn't. And I was like, shit, like that would have been kind of cool if it was her though. Like, yeah, because they're what they're essentially saying is like none of this <laughs> in the all that glitters yes. thing. Like they're saying like you can have all of this and be successful and it doesn't mean anything if you don't have yeah. anyone if you don't have mommy to like enjoy it with or like to like be <laughs> proud of you yeah and it's like that should be the theme if they want to keep the mom thing it's like they needed to decide is it the mom or is it the guy what yeah. what are we yeah what's more important and i'd rather go with the mom because the guy is just not interesting as a person no yeah no, it should have been the guy turns out to be a flop, which he and like he sucks. And that's kind of what happens. But like the the weight, the weightedness yeah. of it was off. Yeah. Is we already know the answer. Is Glitter a good movie? No, babe. <laughs> no, no. Um, and then the follow up question to that is, and this is even worse. Is it worth watching? No, babe. No, no. Before I watched it for this, I was kind of hoping or thinking like, you know, it can't be that bad. It's never that bad. There's going to be something that I can get out of this, but it's just so boring that it's, there's <laughs> nothing you can get out of it. Even if you really do like bad movies, I guess like as a Mariah mm -hmm. fan, maybe you could get something, but even then she's rendered so flat. Dude. We were just saying yesterday, like the worst thing you can be is boring. Like yes. it's literally For me so and my friend Luke, we will, we will like, go out of our way to watch really terrible movies. We love Tubi because it's a treasure trove Tubi. of trash. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. Um, so anytime we watch a movie together, it's always the worst of the worst. And sometimes in our search for the worst, we'll come across movies that are really boring and that's always a bad screening. It's like, that was nothing. It wasn't even fun. Because the yeah. worst thing you can be is boring. I guess we knew the outcome before. Yeah, we knew that we were going to be here. I needed the confirmation. But, like, yeah. I, you know, they... At some point, it seems like maybe people are just dogpiling. Yeah, right. But, but it's actually no. That it bad. actually is. Bad. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty yeah. Bad. and and Mariah did yeah. say she regretted being part of it, and it's like, well, with a career like yours and a voice like yeah. yours, the iconic status. I think. I mean, one flop is okay. Yeah, she's definitely. allowed a flop for sure. Yeah. She's a complicated, nuanced woman. Yeah. Who's brought a lot of good things to the culture <laughs> and a lot of, a little bit of bad, but a lot of entertaining. Yeah. I mean, her in more recent years is like almost a different, to me, like a different person. Yeah. I, I, I don't even. Yep. Just like, yeah. I don't even like know Christmas who that comes, is. Christmas comes around. She does those fun little videos. But yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Just like, yeah. I'm just out here. <laughs> yeah. Right. I feel like she's slowly sliding towards like Dionne Warwick on Twitter. Like, that's yeah. going to be her eventually, and I can't wait. <laughs> Yara, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. It was very yes. chill. It's like talking with old friends. I like it. Yes. Yeah. It's always a joy. <laughs> the thing that I'm most active on right now is, like, letterboxed, but I am on Instagram. But I'm not really doing anything right now, so, yeah, yeah. I just say I'm chilling. Like cool. a villain, name Bob Dylan, high as the ceiling, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to our other episodes with Yara. How about that? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Episodes and um, keep me in your thoughts, babe. Can we at least mention the Brittany Murphy video? Because we were talking about it oh, and how much yeah, we love it. Of course. Oh, yeah. Jeez, yeah. That okay. video brings me so much pain. <laughs> Why? Because it's so it fucking sad. Really oh, right, hard right, 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 right. Because yeah. I was a really big fan of Brittany. And it's funny because I remember. When I made the decision to make it, I was talking to my mom about it and my throat was getting all thick and she was like, how the hell Aww. are you going to record when you're already about to cry? I was like, I don't know. Aww. Oh my God, that's but, relatable. Yeah, we can talk about <laughs> yeah. that. One of our favorite Yara videos is about the legacy of Brittany Murphy mm -hmm. and 
I've watched that one a few times. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I teared up. I definitely teared up for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. I <sighs> I tear up and I made it. Like I know where all the yeah. beats are and I still go like, uh, uh, weird. I know. Uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll put a link to that in the episode description. So if you want to go watch it. And also, isn't that the one with the tiny plug for us in it yeah i think so yeah You've yes it so. is sleep yeah. over yes. cinema in there because i was like yeah i gotta lighten it up a little bit let me just <laughs> it was getting real dark real quick if you feel like tearing up go on yeah. yeah that's our audience for sure yeah that's our audience as always thank you so much for thank hanging out with me. us stay gold or stay glittery <laughs> Stay glittery and gold. So you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepover cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. You can follow me, Audrey, at Audrey and Leach on everything. And you can follow me, Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on Instagram and at Lana Von Trapp on Twitter. Of course. You can join our Discord server at the link in the episode description or on evergreenpodcast.com. Oh, also, we've been kicking this around in the Discord and it's kind of dramatic. But if you would theoretically be interested in some sort of meetup or like live show situation, we've been talking about it either in New York or maybe in Cleveland, like for the budget. So we'll see. You can check out our merch at tupingproductions.com slash shop. And if you want a Castify item, our yeah. code is 15 sleepover. Yeah. Give us a review if you want. We appreciate it. Send an episode to a friend. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. We will be back next week. Bye. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.